Hello and welcome to the ZTGD Spoilercast, the first of what we hope will be many podcasts devoted to essentially spoiling games for you. Now, the games that we're going to be talking about are going to be talked in depth. They're going to be games that we probably can't discuss too much on the regular podcast because of the spoilerific nature of the story. So remember, if you have not played the game that we're going to be discussing, which uh, today will be Infamous 2, don't listen to this podcast unless you have no interest in Infamous 2 or you just want to listen to the soothing voices of uh, the crew. Now, speaking of which, I've got two members of the regular N4G podcast crew with me. We've got Michael, a pen of doom futter. Why, hello. And Drew, frustrated fury leechman. Yeah, I'm here. And as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about Infamous 2, um, a game that is very much uh, in the spoiler territory. We're going to be discussing a lot of the things that we liked and some of the things we disliked about the game, and basically how it all worked and what our overall feelings were for it. Now, uh, we're going to start off really by just putting out the thoughts of, um, of how we felt the game played. Would okay. anyone like to take the bat on that one? I will go. Um, if, if, especially if we're comparing this to Infamous 1, I really, really, really uh, thought they improved the gameplay immensely. Um, you know, the big stuff wasn't too much different. Um, in fact, one of the things I loved was that uh, Cole didn't start from scratch in the game. Um, he retained... Um, most, if not all, of his powers uh, from the end of Infamous One. Um, you know, the, the movement felt very similar, for better or for worse. Cole is still very sticky. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, which uh, is less of a problem because there are, there are far fewer timed uh, instances in the game where you need to move from point A to point B very quickly. Um, but the, the one thing that I thought that they improved immensely was uh, the identification of the blast shards. Um, I think they were blue and blended in in the original Infamous 1. Um, they stand out much more significantly in Infamous 2. Um, furthermore, all the way down the line, uh, one of the last powers you're going to unlock is uh, Blast Shard Sense, which allows you to find the nearest blast shard. So there shouldn't be any of those, I'm missing one damn shard, where the hell is it, type moments. Did anyone get stuck with the last blast shard like I did? No, I I platinumed this bitch. Uh, Well, I did did end up getting it um, with the help of that final power that you do unlock. Um, But it was the one at the start of the game where you get the achievement going back to the bayou. That was the last one I got because I'd hunted everywhere, couldn't find where it was, and I did have to look on a forum and someone said if you... you, Because I went... I had already got that achievement, so I'd already went back to the bayou, then went back into the city. Had I gone a little bit further back, I'd have mm-hmm. seen the pigeon um, icon on the map, and I, it took me a while to find that one, but that blast chart indicator was a godsend because there was absolutely no way I was going to be able to find um, all of those without it. Drew's being really quiet. It scares me. Well, He's probably he, building up inside, waiting to come out. That's what it is. Here, here's the thing. Um, I got. I'm, I'm not. I'm not even kidding around. I got all the blast shards without getting the blast shard sense. 
Oh, you're my hero. Yeah, I think I might have only had like two or three left, and I finally just bit the bullet and grabbed the ability. I'm like, all right, that's it. I, I'm, I've slammed on the L3 button enough in this game. I think, uh, I think yeah, you're absolutely right, though, in the fact that not only was it easier to, to get the Blanchards to, you know, find them because they stood out a little bit better, but for, I don't know whether it was the way Carl moved or just the game itself, but with the first game, I wasn't really that interested in getting them. You had to get them, really, if you wanted to progress because it built up your your electricity meter, uh, so to speak. And um, you do have to kind of get them, but there are the ones scattered about, so you don't have to look too hard. With this one, I felt kind of obsessed with it. I felt like I had to go get one. I'd get one, I'd press the L3 button, and there's another one over there, so I'll just go get that one. And then all of a sudden, there's another one over there. They made it really easy to get them all. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I really liked about it was in Infamous 1, there were some that you just could not get without certain powers. Yeah. And I believe that was really, really limited in Infamous 2. There was maybe one, and it was the one on the billboard out in the water that you had to wait for the advanced thrusters for. Yeah. But other than that, you could get them all when you saw them. Drake? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I didn't have any real problem with it. In fact, part of the game was just getting the blast shards. Like, I'd go to a new area, and you know how, like, when you go to a new area, they're kind of split into different sections of, of, as well? Mm-hmm. And I'd just say, okay, I'm going to take care of this section right now before I do any other missions. And so I, I would just get all the blast shards I could find. I just, I, like, I, I think I may have broke my R3 button. But or L three, whatever one it was, was it L three? L three, isn't it? Yeah, hmm. and um, I just you know I just kept mashing on it, and I just it, it became. I was like that in the first game though, because I was I, I I will go ahead and say I am a self proclaimed freaking infamous fanboy. I mean I I was obsessed with the first game. I platinumed it. I I'm, I'm taking my time with Infamous two. I know how the good ending is. I played evil. Um, for me, evil is canon, even if they don't go by it. Um, but I just, uh, I, I, I was obsessed with it. And I got all the blast shards. The, the, the thing that got me about it was, was that they made the dead drops more difficult to find. Yeah, but I loved that, though. I thought that was really cool the way, instead of them being on the satellite dishes, the being attached to the pigeons, I thought was um, much more enjoyable in terms of hunting them down. Well, I, I, I mean, felt that too. I mean, the dead drops. You mean you you know you could you how you could find the dead drops in Infamous One was the same way as the blast shards. Right. You you click it and it would on your map it would show like a radar where it would beep for mm-hmm. like in a certain direction and you would go that way. Yep. A lot of people didn't figure that out. Um, oh really? Yeah, there was a lot of people I talked to who was like, "Really, you could do that?" I was like, "Yeah." That's yeah, kind, kind of. There's the an outer drops. rim of the mini map. Yeah. That shows that shows kind of and it was gray. The brighter it, gray. Yeah, and the brighter it was, and in the the more unified it was in the direction, the closer you were. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the the Bioshock stuff became addicting, just like it was the first game for me. What do you think about the side missions? I mean, I, personally, um, I, I wasn't that interested in doing the side missions. I know there were uh, trophies attached to the first game where you had to clear out. 100% of each of the islands uh, I never really felt drawn to them in the first game whereas in this game I I was 
making that a, a main focus uh, of uh, of my game time. I I was doing those before I did any of the sort of missions, unless I you know couldn't do any more until I'd carried on. I felt they were a lot a lot better implemented. I mean, I agree. I think that they are they were implemented better, and they they kind of changed it up a little bit. Instead of hey, there's a crap ton of stuff in my building. Please take it off of my building. Oh yeah, those were annoying. Um, oh yeah, I'm so glad they weren't about anymore. Well, they they didn't really retain much of the mini mini or side mission structure from the original game. They switched it up a lot. Yeah, there was like probably one or two like uh, repeats of the same mission, mm-hmm. but not many at all. And it, it kept up to the variety, you know. And then there was some that even had, even had like pieces of stories involved like with the the mad bomber guy or whatever yep you know stopping the mad bomber um and uh things like that and they had trophies attached to them mm-hmm. so you're definitely you're, i was definitely progressing with that as well um i you know i try to switch it up as far as the missions go i do one or two side missions then i do a story mission and if, if if I felt like I would, it was going to make me progress to another area, I would continue doing side missions. I I think the one side mission type that I still didn't like and I still thought were cumbersome were the hidden object ones, um, especially the hidden object ones that were tied to uh, knocking off a bad guy. Um, typically what would happen is I'd get to a point where there would only be one small area uh, that wasn't shaded in or that wasn't filled in, that wasn't reclaimed. Um, and that's how I would know because it was a significantly smaller area, but finding that guy to kill and sometimes it glitched out on me where it it, it would, it would never (laughs) give me the mission. I'd kill him. I'd leave the area, come back, kill him again. I'm like, motherfucker, just drop it. Yeah. (laughs) So I had the similar problem with, um, the fact that I went to do it. That was the last one that I had to do, uh, to, you know, cover the whole of the map. And um, one of the pedestrians killed the bad guy, so he didn't drop it. Oh. So, <laughs> so that was like, oh, you bastard. So that was a case of reload, but, you know. Yep. Um, so we're, we're, we're all pretty happy with the way that they've improved uh, the, the general gameplay. Um, what about the new design of Cole? How do we feel about that? I think they had a huge controversy. Obviously, they were not going to have the same voice actor play Cole from the first. No, game. there was a, there was a, it was he was kind of tied, wasn't he, or he was unavailable. Uh, see, I don't really know. Um, it could have been conflicts somehow. Maybe even he he wanted to get paid more. I don't know. But what they did was they originally were going to get a new voice actor and then change Cole's appearance. Basically, he would look. Everybody called it a dude bro. So, you know, I mean, he, he had hair. He had um, a more clean cut look. Had some tattoos on him, stuff like that. I was totally fine with that. What I wasn't fine with was what they did. Where they used the, the new voice actor, but changed Cole to make him look more trashy, I guess you'd say. Oh, I thought I thought he had a, a cleaner look to him. I th- it seems odd, but I, I thought the new look fitted the character better. In my You're talking opinion. about the one they went with or the one they were going to go with? 
Oh, I'm, I'm talking about the one they went with. Oh, no. See, the one they went with is actually very close to the original Cole. They were going to go with a guy, first of all, with hair. Um, and... Oh, didn't they release it? Was it an E3 they showed a video? And then that's when the storm happened. Everyone said, no, that's not right. Was that it? Yeah, uh, that yeah pretty much. Showing or something like that? I think I vaguely remember. I, I, I can actually find the YouTube videos of both of them where they had the old original Cole with the new voice actor and or basically what they went with and what they, they had the new clean-cut-looking Cole that they scrapped with the new voice. The voice matched the clean-cut Cole that they scrapped because you give this tough-looking guy with you know a crew cut and he, he's talking... Kind of like how I am, instead of the you know the, the deep kind of voice kind of guy, the raspy Cole. Yeah, and you know personally, I liked the voice actor better from the first game. I, I, just, I disagree. I just it, that's <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you the reason why is because I like evil Cole. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, in the first game, evil, it had to have been canon because it it was fucking brilliant. How well, it works. The game's out. called Infamous. Well, I mean, that, I mean, that's irrelevant in my opinion. It's the fact that the ending, the evil ending, is 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 brilliant in the first game because of the fact that Kessler. I mean, all right, spoilers for Infamous One. If anybody out there is listening, this really, <laughs> I believe the uh, Statue of Limitations is up. I on don't that. care. I think so. They yes, were, I, yes I, and, would, and, if, and just in case, I just want to be clear, the Statue of Limitations thing is a joke. Read the oatmeal. It's a comic. It's funny. I know it's statute. All right, I'm done. But, um, <laughs> that you would be surprised how many people never played Infamous because I saw a lot of people on my Twitter feed saying, man, Infamous is awesome. Remember, they got it for free from PSN. So, Tressler is obviously cold. From another from another time period, he comes back to the past because there is this evil being called, only known as the Beast, shows up and kills everybody, including Cole's wife and kids. So he wants to change the past. He wants to get Cole his powers sooner, so he can beat the Beast and be stronger when he does show up. If you get to do the, if you do the <sighs> What, what, what? No, I just, you know, now, knowing what I know now about Infamous 2, I'm just wondering how big of a plot hole there really is here. There is a huge plot hole. Which okay, I thank in, you. Which I would get into because my roommate brought it up whenever we were playing it. But um, the evil ending of the first Infamous was so brilliant due to the fact that Kessler came back. He had, he killed his own wife. He, he... he Basically destroyed Cole's entire life just so he could make him a stronger person and a better hero. But in the evil ending, he does the exact opposite. He makes a complete and utter monster. Kessler's plan, plan fucking backfired in his face. And to me, that's fucking brilliant. The irony of all. Yeah. Yeah, I... I so... Are we going to talk about this giant plot hole now, or are we going to wait till we get further well, into the Infamous 2 story? Because I think you kind of need to know what happens with Infamous 2 to understand why a, it's a giant you, plot hole. Oh, go for it now. Why not? Well, why don't we kind of run through the story a little bit and 
you know, just kind of hit the salient points of the story because it, it, it'll, the, the plot, the plot hole should emerge, you know, naturally. Yeah. It will. So it has to do with the beast. It very much has to do with the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, it pissed my roommate off to the point where he said he hates infamous too. Oh, I'm not see? kidding. Yes. He said that makes absolutely no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we've we've talked about Cal a little. We'll go into the the story a little bit later on, but um, we kind of want to cover some uh, other areas. Um, another thing that, uh, as Michael touched on a little bit uh, earlier, another thing that was um, interesting about Infamous Two is some of the abilities that Cole gathers throughout the game. As you say, he starts off with almost. Uh, all of his abilities intact from the original, which is a uh, very unusual for this type of game. Normally, they come up with some kind of convoluted story plot that means he's the Metroid got nothing syndrome. at all. Um, exactly, and I thought that was very brave of them because they obviously had these ideas of how to impress us even more with these new abilities. And one of the sort of kind of new things that they uh, implemented is the fire, fire and ice powers. Depending on which path you choose, uh, chose, that's terrible English, John. Uh, <laughs> you invented <laughs> the language. Uh, yeah, well, you you know, personally invented the language. <laughs> indeed. Um, so depending on which uh, good or evil, uh, well, depending on which one you went with, you got the ability to add either fire or ice to your electri- electrical abilities. Yeah. Um, what do we think of those? Do you think they were a good thing? Do you think they made much of a difference to the powers Huge that he was already being given? Huge difference. I, do you think? I, I, I think so. Agree. You, you don't I'm, think there's a huge... This. I, I'll really? tell you the reason why, because I played evil. The evil powers suck. Yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Just... They do make a huge difference. Well, the only, the only interesting thing that I... Uh, I mean, some of the powers that he got are like the rapid shot electric bolt were fantastic. But the big powers to me were the new ones, the ionic powers that they'd introduced. That, 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 oh, that, yes. That, um, yeah, I mean, the ionic powers were cool. Awesome. But, I mean, if I... On my evil... I played good first, then I played evil. I missed ice launch. Um, I never used that. What? Never. Oh, man. Ice launch was, was, was the better mobility power. Because it shoots you straight up into the air, so you can actually get and control your your uh, trajectory, as opposed to the fire ability, which just sends you in a straight line for a set distance. No, ice launch is, is fantastic, and it changed the way, especially in the flooded the the flooded area, um, flood town. Um, how you collected the shards because there's so much water that you want to stay off the ground as much as possible. Gives you a good uh, a good perspective on the area. Um, lets you get the jump on bad guys. Oh, love, love, love ice launch. Um, but the most important thing about the powers is how well they were worked into the story. Um, you know, I, I commend them for for holding on to most of Cole's powers from Infamous One. It's I hate power reboots in games, mm. um, you know. And we're talking about somebody who's supposed to have been spending the last six months preparing and getting stronger um, to be able to combat the beast. To knock him back down to nothing would have made no sense. Um, well, they did do a few things, if you remember correctly, in the story. 
Because when you fight the beast for the first time at the very beginning of the game, the beast beats the shit out of Cole. Oh, yeah. And they escape. Well, he did lose a few powers, and it says it in the story. Yeah. He loses yeah, yeah, his but, rockets. Yeah. I oh, mean, right. What massive amount. I mean, a lot of the, the – especially the core ones that you generally use a lot of, he, he you know, he remained – they remained intact for him. I miss the fucking rockets, trust me. Oh, yeah. Well, the that, rockets that are That was cool. the main attack I used in Infamous 1. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, the grenades. Grenades are awesome. Yes, and I actually really like the, the diversity of the powers and the way you switch up the powers um, mid-battle. I think the mobility powers were the biggest issue in terms of having to switch them up. Um, That's one of the reasons why I didn't use Ice Launch that much, because I thought that trying to switch them on the fly, although it's meant to be quite easy, can be a bit of a fiddle. Yeah. And so I kind of got my uh, powers set out the way I wanted them, and I just used them that way. Yeah, I, I ended up switching my loadouts for different types of uh, – for different battles. Um, and one thing I will tell you, though, is the game commends you for finishing it twice. Like, it actually, when you finish it the second time, it says you've now finished Infamous twice. We're unlocking all the powers for you, so go to town. Um, you still have to buy them, but you can buy both alignments abilities. So if you finish your second playthrough on good, you still can go back and buy the evil powers. For me, I finished my second playthrough on evil, so it was like, I can buy Ice Launch now? Okay. <laughs> I'm there. There is one thing that it was a huge changer for me that I don't think a lot of people talked about was the fact that if you run out of juice, you can't do anything. Yes. In Infamous 1, you can still zap people. Mm. In fact, zapping never drained your juice. Okay, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because I couldn't remember whether or not it actually was a drain on your, on your energy or not. Yes, and in Infamous 2, every time you zap somebody, that drains your energy. Yep. But you, you could also get the ability, once you'd leveled up enough, um, that every time you killed a Grind on something. Out, well, whenever you shot a bad guy, you're, you'd get an energy yeah. boost. So it kind of... Yeah, um, but that's only good. That's only a good ability. Yeah, I never got that. Uh, it does not... It tri- doesn't work on beasts either. Just the humans. Yep, just humans. And um, you can't get energy back by grinding anymore. Oh, they wouldn't let you do it in the second game? No. No, that was actually one of the things that I missed. Because I used to make a beeline when I was traveling for, for grind wires. If, especially if I was low. And, uh, no, your best bet is uh, to nail the, uh, the things that are pinning them down onto the buildings. Those actually have quite a lot of juice in them. So uh, those are your best places to, to fill up. But you can't actually – you don't recharge by grinding anymore, which doesn't make sense, I best guess. For me, is to grab a fucking pedestrian and drain their soul <laughs> out of their body. <laughs> you're, if you're, you're playing a- good, you can't do that. That's right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you can. It just gives you a few evil points. <laughs> uh, no. Actually, I'm pretty sure you can't. You mean when you play good, they would not let you drain people? Uh, I'm pretty sure you have to be evil alignment. You have to... I don't know. I think you still can. Oh, I really? can still arc okay. restrain people whenever I was evil. Uh, but arc rest- Could you heal people, though? I don't know. Oh, that heal ability was so much better as well. Oh, yeah, being able to mass heal. Oh, that was fantastic. I really, especially since there's a couple of the missions or a couple of the side 
not so much quests, but side things where heal this bunch of people, and there's like yep. six or seven of them. And you just have to oh, do you guys totally wait. If you play good, everybody totally missed out on the most awesome power ever. Wait, I played, ionic, I played both. The Ionic Drain. Oh, yeah, that's Holy pretty shit. freaking awesome. It kill anything around you in like a like a fucking fifty yard radius of you, and it would drain and automatically heal you and give you like infinite juice for like twenty yep. seconds. Yeah, ionic drain <laughs> was, cool, was absolutely yeah. cool, but it made up for everything else because the fire powers weren't cool. But let's let's talk a little bit about Nix and Quo because they're um, kind of important to how you get those powers. Well, I I. Through my main playthrough, I played as good. And obviously to do that, you side with Quo, your mm-hmm. kind of, uh, what is she, FBI or um, C- CTAE or CIA or something, something like that, yeah. Um, she was NSA, and, right? And, oh, I, I don't remember. know. Some, something anyway. Uh, but you, you side with her. Um, I felt that the switch she made just towards the end was so out of character. It just felt... You know, see, you get to the I end, got it. No, she, she, I, see, she, you're with her all the way. She's obviously someone who's out, you know, cares for the people. And when you get to that point, you think you're going to have to fight Nyx because she's the one that you've been staring away from for the entire game. To switch it up and suddenly they... They disagree as usual, but on the opposite side of the fence. I thought that was just really odd. Well, I, I don't know what. I don't know whether it's me. Let, let's let's come back to that because I think there's a lot of build up in the I story. Have, yeah. I have a lot of good points for that argument. Yeah, and I, I actually thought it was it made a lot of sense for Quo. Um, but one of the things I love that they did in the game was they set up that juxtaposition between Nix and Quo really well. I mean, obviously. They were the embodiment of the good and evil choices. Um, part of it was that Quo's voice actor I thought was unbelievable. And she, if you watched Heroes, um, she was the tattoo lady in the, at the carnival in, one of the, in the last season, I think. Yeah, I, was. I, I never watched that. that in oh. the first season. Yeah, I quit watching after season two. Okay. So um, I, I looked at it. I just thought she was amazing. And I thought it was Elena from Uncharted for the longest time. Um, I can't remember who I thought it was. But uh, she does sound a little bit like Emily Rose. Um, but it's more than just sounding. It's like she really came across as very genuine. And you're talking about a character who um, went from being an NSA agent and being responsible for Cole's safety and getting him to New Marais to being thrust into uh, the life of a conduit. You know, she's kidnapped by Bertrand, who is uh, set up as the major villain in New Marais as this almost cult leader. Um, You know, he's in charge of the militia. And, um, you know, she's kidnapped and she's experimented on and tortured and not only is she turned are her conduit powers activated but um her powers are essentially raped um they are used to create all of these ice soldiers which are one of the factions in the game later on and um you know she sees that all of these people who are connected to her start mutating um 
and she's she's throughout the game coping with the fact that yeah it's kind of cool like she she revels a little bit she lightens up a little bit when she realizes she can fly and that she has these abilities and she can actually you know participate in a way she couldn't but you know like when she touches Cole's face and it's cold and he freaks out on her telling her she needs to learn how to control her abilities you know we're talking about someone who is all of a sudden her existence has has been completely changed and she's coping with that through the entire game. And then you've got Nyx. <laughs> Nick, well, I didn't like Nyx at all. Before we get into Nyx, I do want to bring up that point where John, you said you didn't, you didn't feel like it was, it felt right for Quo to just automatically change. The, the one real reason why Quo went with the beast was because she realized that she was a conduit. The woman is fucking scared out of her mind. Yep. And she doesn't want to die. That's exactly what it is. So how does she not want to die? Easy. Let the beast turn everybody else into conduits and he'll leave her alone. The only thing she wanted to do was survive. Yeah. Yeah, but she's been so selfless throughout the game. Yeah, and she realizes that she made a mistake at the end. Oh yeah, fair enough. You know, at the end it all goes away it should do but it just seemed like that i don't know little fleeting moment but you know maybe that's just me maybe i don't get it yeah i i think one of the things that i loved about the game um is that they tie it back to the virus that that rampaged empire city and that mm. you find out that the virus um was actually caused by the race sphere energy um, so then so then cole kind of feels responsible doesn't he and mm-hmm. i think that's a real good turn of event he, yeah, it humanizes him even more. And mm. even if you're playing evil, he he bears the weight of that, um, and is upset upset by it. So what you've got is these this variety of things. And the reason why, um, you know that the choice essentially comes down to at the end, either everybody who doesn't uh, have the conduit gene dies. Or the beast dies, and conduits die, and normal people, you know, uh, are, yeah. he, are cured of are the cured virus. Cured the virus. So, I, I think Drew, you've got a great point. I think that you've got someone, as I said, who who is dealing with all these monumental changes to her life, and all of a sudden, through no fault of her own is faced with the fact that she's going to die. I mean, she knew that, that she had the conduit gene, and she knew that... She uh, felt the pain whenever Cole started surging the... Ray, or not the Ray Sphere, what was it called? The... the RFI? The, RFI? Yeah, yeah, the Ray Field Inhibitor. Right. Yeah, when he, when he started powering that thing up, all the conduits started, like, dying, essentially. And she felt that, and she said, holy shit, if he does this, I'm going to die, so I need to stop him from doing that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, so I think you're. I think you're right. I think she's terrified. You've got someone who just doesn't want to die, and says, "You know, all right, well, it's an us or them thing." And and she's just ends up not being that selfless. But that doesn't mean she's a bad person. It just means she's someone who made the wrong decision uh, while being scared out of her mind. It's not like Nick's made the decision for the right reason because. You know, obviously, of course, you know, there's this flip flop. Nix is out is out for revenge because yeah. the beast. You know, Nix takes um, she adopts essentially these mutants, and they respond to her, and the beast kills them. And you know, she, she, the reason why she wants to kill the beast is purely out of revenge. Um, 
there's no, there's no good motive there. She's also wanting to she, – she knows she's a conduit and she didn't want to become a conduit. She wants to destroy everything that Bertrand ever created. Mm-hmm. And Bertrand created conduits. So she sees that if she has to kill herself to destroy every single thing that Bertrand stood for, so fucking be it. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things I loved about the game was even though it felt a little contrived, it still worked for me, which was when you had to choose between Nix and Quo. And the way that was positioned was, you're, yeah, you're choosing between good and evil, but you're actually choosing between two different external personalities as opposed to two different facets of your internal personality. Um, when you get close enough to one of the options, so if you're headed towards a good mission, Nix will actually radio you and try to change your mind. And the way those were written were so persuasive. It's like, mm, I, yeah, I thought they were clever. I, I loved it. I thought it was really well done and really well written. So, with uh, those two girls aside, what do we think about the new Zeke? I love the new Zeke. Loved him. I thought awesome. <laughs> he was the, he was the, the the heart and soul of the game. He, I, I, I get the feeling that he tried a little bit too hard, but I can see how he is trying to make up for basically betraying Cole in the first game. Well, and Cole does a couple of dickish things reminding him of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I mean, with Zeke in the first game was a complete and utter tool. Um, you know, really got on my go. And it only took me five minutes in the game to, to warm back up to him. And yep. throughout the game, as you say, Cole's occasionally reminding him of, of what he did. But you, the the way that they got across through this game, this digital character, how much Zeke wanted to make amends was brilliant. And to me, best character of that game. Uh, I, I will say this. I think the reason why Zeke worked in Infamous 2 was partially because of the way Quo acted. Because the way Zeke reacted... In Infamous One is cast in a new light when you see Quo essentially make the exact same decision. Zeke for me served as Cole's conscience. Yeah, or the voice of it anyway. He was, you know, he he basically he didn't necessarily say go good or go bad. He said, "Here's your choices, and here's what I'd do, but you don't have to listen to me." Hmm. And, yep. I, you know, like, at the end there, where he has to choose, where he's got that RFI and, he real, and Cole realizes what's going to happen if he charges it up. And, mm-hmm. and Zeke, he says, he says, well, you know, and Quo's like saying, well, we could save all the conduits. And, he, and then Zeke pipes in and says, well, if you don't use that, I'll die along with millions of others. Mm-hmm. And he's getting sicker throughout the game, the way they did that very subtly. Mm. Um, and then... You know, and I think maybe now we talk about the beast and why the, you know, who and what. Um, well, just as a final note, um, uh, in regards to Zeke, I thought the ending, um, again, because I, I haven't finished the, the evil ending. I'm still through Oh, my that. God. Um, well, let's, okay. let's, can we save but, the endings until... Well, 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 I'm just talking about the, the, the Zeke and the, the fact that as I played through the, the good campaign... Um, the end towards the end is incredibly touching. 
uh, yes. with Zeke and the, the, the conversation between Zeke and Cole as he's getting prepared, he's going through these bits, charging the RFI up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they were very touching and a brilliant. Oh man! Brilliantly written. Yep. Wait till we start talking about the evil ending. Yeah, I think both. Yeah, <laughs> both are are very powerful. Um, so yes, yeah, so let's move on to the Beast. Um, for those. God, again, this is a spoiler cast. I shouldn't really give warning. For those who don't know who the Beast is, what the hell are you doing listening to this thing? Yeah. Um, but obviously turns out to be... What's his surname? John. John. John White. Is this John it? White, I believe. Yeah, John yeah. White. Yeah, John, um, turns out to be John White from the first uh, game. I was, I was surprised. I had it pinned down is that the Beast was the evil version of Carl. That's that, that's what my instincts were to begin with. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, well, anyway. Yeah. Um, so who? I mean, who? Who was surprised by? It? Who? Who thought that? Considering he was, although he was, you know, littered throughout the first game, he didn't really start playing an active role until the the last third of the first game, and then all of a sudden he's come back and he's the centre of attention in, in so many ways. I, I was a little surprised. I, you know, but I remember Drew had said it, and I was like, damn, Drew was right. Um, you know, I think what was surprising to me was that his motives weren't cut and dry. I think they were very complex, weren't they? Yes. Very complex. Character. And the way he was reintroduced to, uh, to Cole was fantastic. Um, the fact that he pops up out of nowhere, the fact that he takes Cole or guides Cole to this, uh, to this clinic and helps Cole, you know, gives him an ability that he can actually see the virus in people and then finds this woman with, who has the conduit potential and then heals her and releases her conduit ability. It's like, well, shit, what the hell is going on here? You know, this is not as as blatant, you know, good and evil as we thought it was. I mean, for a game that's really no, about I, I, making a decision, there's a lot of complexity going on. Absolutely. I mean, you you find out as it, as it transpires, the beast isn't what you think he is. It isn't this wanton rage of destruction that you believe it to be, and that Kessler kind of distills in you in the first game or the end of the first game. Um, all of a sudden, he's more of just another character with a purpose. He sees what he's doing to um, the people around him and he's dealing with it the best that he can. The only way that he thinks he it can be dealt with. Yeah, but herein lies the plot hole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if Kessler was re- knew about this beast and this beast was coming and Kessler was the one that built the ray sphere way ahead of time. How the fuck did the beast come about? Yeah, exactly. Well, see, here's the thing. They don't explain any of this, but there is a few little side notes to it. Kessler, in his timeline, got the, a ray sphere somehow. He got his powers before the beast showed up. I but think he wasn't strong enough to take on the beast. And because he cared, he, he wasn't 
that interested in his powers. If it, you know, when the story goes, um, he was more interested in saving, uh, you know, his his family. He was more of he, a family man. He was man. running. He was running um, away. So yeah, because he, he got his powers it. later on in his life. Mm-hmm. But all, I mean, the the reason that the beast does show up is because all Kessler did is went back in time and speeded up the creation of the race fair. The race fair was always going to be created. Yeah, but he wanted to get it. You know, it, but if John is the beast, if this was John's uh, conduit ability... He would have changed at the same time, as, regardless of whenever the race fair was activated. But when John... Cole gets his powers, John gets his as well. No. 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 John no. didn't get his until the second, second race fair. Second race fair was activated. Okay. Because <laughs> he disappears. You think he's dead. You think he's yeah. disintegrated. Oh, well, of course, yes, because, yes. I don't and know, he brought himself right. back to, to life. played the first one in a while. Dr. Manhattan style. Yep. So, yeah, that's an interesting plot point. <laughs> yeah. So here, here is my theory. The Beast in Kessler's time period wasn't John at all. So that makes sense, except just, that... We just don't know who that beast is. Or if he even looked that way. I mean, the truth is... Or maybe when it goes off in Kessler's time period, John is around the race fair. Whereas in the first... When in, in Cole's time period, he wasn't close enough when that one went off. But he was the second time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, so it could be a plot hole. It might not be. Um, but it, it, it struck me that, you know, without some explanation... You know, this didn't make 100% sense. I mean, I could see, as, we, you know, as we've discussed... It, it didn't make any sense if you just sat down and played Infamous 2 and didn't actually think about it. Yeah. You'd be say, okay, well... You know, it, it all leaned toward Cole being the beast. That's... I, that's, I, had, I had that pegged down, literally, from the first game, when they talk about the beast and... Cause they they you know, show the, the, the silhouette, and it looks yeah. just like Cole. It does, and you think, ah, this is where it's going. You, there's, like, somehow there's been some time displacement thing. There are two coals, and one's bad, and one's evil, and that's that's exactly how I thought it was going to be played out. That's why I was surprised when it turns out that John's a beast. Well, well, <laughs> well here's the thing. Now, so, uh, I, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the ending to the evil ending... Of Infamous 2, Cole becomes the Beast. Yes, he does. So, here is my theory. And this is fucking crazy. Cole becomes power-hungry in Infamous 3. Goes back in time. And he is the Beast in Kessler's time period. Oh, yeah, but... You, oh, that would be really tricky to pull that off. That'd yeah. be tricky as shit. And I don't know if they can pull it off, but if they do, they're fucking geniuses. Well, the point, the problem is that they need to be really careful because the good ending. I mean, well, I know we'll get the there. Good, I know how the good ending. I, I I know, but we'll get there. I mean, do we want to talk a little bit? I mean, we haven't talked a ton about Nick's. Do we need to? I mean, I, I thought the more interesting character out of the two was definitely Quo. Yeah. Nick's to me was. Um, because obviously Quo's with you pretty much from the well, literally from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of form a bond with her. Nix appears, and, and again, because my sort of disposition is to good, I wasn't really that. I, I didn't find her that interesting. Uh, you know, I think the 
the only part of Nyx that was interesting was the um, her befriending the the mute, some of the mutants. I thought that was quite interesting and in how that was played out. But other than that, overall storyline, I thought she was pretty much just a um, uh, a yin to Kuo Zhang. To yin. Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I found it a little powerful how she became a conduit. Um, how she had to sit there and watch her entire family and friends get killed by Bertrand mm-hmm. while he activated a race fear. Um, you know, I, you you say you you felt like you you established more of a bond with Quo. See, mm. I didn't I didn't hang out with Quo that much in the Evil One. You know, well, you I, don't. Yeah, I did a lot of missions with with Nix. I personally don't like Nix. I don't like the character, like. I think if she would have been a little bit more mysterious and not as open, um, I think it would have been a little bit better. Uh, I was expecting this voodoo witch doctor kind of woman. And, um, you know, I just... (sighs) She talked too much, in my opinion. (laughs) With an accent. (laughs) Well, I mean, the accent was okay because it matches the location. Of course, yeah. And I think, um, I, you know, she, she did a great, uh, the voice actor did a great job. It was just, I just didn't like the way they did the character. If they handled the character differently, I probably would have liked it. If she was more mysterious, she didn't give out her plans all the time. She just, she was more of an influence instead of a, um, come on, Cole, let's do this right now. More of like, you can come join me if you want to kind of thing. That would have been a little bit better. Yeah, but uh, one of the things I, I loved about Nyx was the way she prodded you on after doing something really bad. Like, like uh, you know, killing a street performer. Um, you know, <laughs> Which were always fun. Yeah. Um, you know, or chasing down a dude with a, with a, uh, a blast shard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I really did enjoy, you know, other, you know, I liked that better than I liked Quo's, thank God you're such a good person. That's <laughs> awesome. You're so nice. I'll give you big smoochies. Yeah. She was like, you're going to be the king of this place, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so move, moving on, uh, we'll maybe touch on one of the major uh, plot points of the game, the, the new enemies, uh, Bertrand. Uh, his crew, which obviously to start off with are just basically the goons that he has that you have to go and rile up and you know stop muggins and you got your missions associated with them, free people and this you know freeing people from sort of makeshift prisons. But then as the game uh, continues, it sort of transpires that he's the reason behind the mutations, and that's where these new enemies really come come to the fore. You've got these. Um, well, not zombies, but they're like kind of monkey-like mutants, yeah. mutant things that <clears throat> um, you know when you're dealing with them on the, the small basis. When they're the smaller ones, you've got quite a few of them. You, you're generally best off dealing with them hand to hand as opposed to to using your abilities. Or I found it the best way to mm-hmm. deal with them. But then you've then got the big ones, the ones you know starts off small, medium-sized. A little bit bigger, and then you've got the big behemoths that um, you know take up half the screen. Yeah, um, I thought they were a fantastic addition. I thought you know, with the first game, you're just generally killing, um, you know, some conduits and, and 
gangbangers and whatnot. Whereas this one, you've got that element in the militia that Bertrand's running, but you've also got this unpredictable um, side with the, the mutations, and you'll often see them have actual fights, you getting caught up in the middle, the two mm-hmm. opposing sides, and you're there to take the lot out. Um, I thought really interesting, the big, big beasties were fantastic to fight against one no, and they were hard. I mean, I well, yeah. I mean, on, on easy and normal they weren't so bad, but on hard, oh my man, god, those things were brutal. The, the, Especially the ones, before rockets. Yeah, the ones that like go underground, those things were bitches. I do yeah. cars at those. I thought that I thought that car lifting ability where you could pick a car up or an item, maybe mm-hmm. a car, and so I thought they were great against those those enemies. Yeah, but you've, uh, the ones that I found the, the most annoying were the ice. The, the Ice Titans? Yep. Yeah. Those fuckers. Oh, having yeah, to knock off both arms before they'll let you crack them open, yeah. Oh, they, they, they were... But again, it mixed things up. You weren't just fight, you know, fighting humans for target practice. Um, I, felt, I felt it gave a real sense of, you know, dread. Yeah, you go up against them. Um, yeah. Um, oh, good. There's three of them. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's really bad when you've got um, you, you know you get caught in the crossfire. You've got these con- these tight ice titan conduits, and then you've got those beasts that go underground and they're fighting each other. But you've got to go in and kill both of them. You got to pick which one to go for first, because mm-hmm. you know full, full well whichever one you pick to go at, the other one will be attacking you at the same time. Yep. So you know you have to sort of think about things as you went into combat with those. Yeah, I, I thought the interplay between all the different factions was so much better in this game. Um, there was very, very little um, sort of in-faction fighting or, you know, yeah, in the it, first game. I it was very crackdown in the first game. Stuff. Yeah. Where you had, like, this area has these guys and that area has these guys and this area has these guys. And maybe around the bridge, you know, the bridge ends, you'll get some fighting back and forth. Yeah, but other than the that, Reapers and the trash men fighting each other. Yep. And then yeah. you got the, the, uh, the first, sons. first Sons. First Sons. It? Really, it didn't go on a great deal. Whereas this, the, you know, most of the missions that you went to, especially some of the side missions, it was, can you go take those out because they're fighting each other and they need to be sorted out. And you, you, you see, and these battles were fantastic. Things were blowing up and they were really shooting the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I think, you know, kind of jumping ahead to that, uh, to the end, the, the fact that the end of the game had two very different missions, depending on which alignment you picked. Definitely. Um, you know, I, you, know, you kind of get down to it, and, you know, as we've talked about, you've got the RFI, and if you try to light it up, uh, Quo steals it, right? Or she no, she try, you, she doesn't steal it. She tries to stop you. So when you go and charge it up, you're not only battling the beast, but she's putting a roar in as right, well. Right, right. And if you side with Nyx, you actually uh, tag along with the beast as he like rampages through the streets. No, you got that backwards. What? If you go along with Quo. If you go along with Quo, rather. You, I'm sorry. You're, you're right. You're See, with I, the beast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you go the evil side. You you're, you tag along with the beast as he as he you know kind of rampages through the city. If you That's go the good side, you have to fight the beast and fight Quo, um, uh, in you know the downtown area. It's kind of nuts. That battle is insane. The evil is a cakewalk. Compared the evil to is the, very easy. To I thought the good the, was rather easy. Uh, I played the, I played my good playthrough on hard, and it was I had it was tough. Yeah. I mean, well, I've, I've played on. 
to normal. I, I'm saving the the bad ending for for my. Y- when you I'm are wise. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you were wise to do that. Cause yeah, you can just zap everything you want. Yeah. Zap everything. Yeah, that's why I chose Evil for Hard, because yep. you don't have to worry about pedestrians. A lot easier. Yep. So, uh, you know, on the on the good side of things, you know, walking down that path, uh, you kill Quo, unfortunately. She just won't let up. And uh, you kill the beast, and you trigger the RFI, and Cole dies. And the epilogue is read were spoken by Zeke. Um, you know, they talk about how, how Cole was a hero and how he gave his life. And they read the statue in Numeray. Yes. Um, and at the very end, uh, you know, Zeke's going to bury him out at sea and lightning strikes the boat. Awesome! Yeah. So the question is, I mean, there's two things that could happen. First of all, that could mean nothing. Uh, second... If uh, that brings Cole back to life, they might have a, a you know a way to re- legitimately reboot his powers. You know, you kind of take him back to zero because he was dead, and the fact that he's alive is miracle enough. And then you got the evil ending, which I'm sure Drew wants to talk about. I do want to talk about the evil ending because <laughs> the evil ending, oh, it made me sad. Yeah, it was very powerful. So, on the evil ending, you are flying around with the beast, just killing every freaking thing. Everything you can find. Clothes floating around somewhere, too. Um, no, actually what happens is um, Nix and Zeke are running around the city actually turning off the power. Oh, so, right. So you can't you, – so sometimes your power gets drained. So And what Quo's doing is going back and trying to turn the power back on in different spots. Well, eventually you catch up with Nix, and you got to fight her three different times. She is a beast. Yes. She will do everything in her friggin' power to kill you. She uses the, the RFI to zap you with it. Um, she will charge you with her little Phoenix charge thing. She'll throw the little exploding blobs or whatever. Magma. Magma. Yeah. <laughs> Magma. Eventually, you kill the shit out of her. You zap her until she dies a barbecue death. Nice. Crispy. Well, she, she doesn't really get crispy, but she is smoking after she gets done. <laughs> um, and she drops the RFI. It shows the RFI roll over to the side, and there's Zeke. He picks it up, and he says the famous line, and Cole responds with it. And, uh... He tells Cole, he says, I got to at least try. And Cole's like, I know. And uh, he starts shooting at him. Luckily, Cole can dodge bullets. And then you get to take over Cole again. And there is a small little scene where you have to zap Zeke to fucking death. Over and over and over. And over. You it's zap just him brutal. and he, he kind of goes to his knees and he raises his gun again. You zap him again, he falls over. And he raises his gun again. And then you finally zap him the third time and he dies. And it plays this sad fucking music. And it shows Cole. And you can even tell Cole is hurt because of this. And he uses his little rod thing to smash the RFI. His R, uh, his, what is it? it called? Uh, something. Amp. The amp, yeah. The amp. amp. And, uh, 
after Zeke falls over and dies, here comes Quo and the Beast. And the Beast looks up to Cole and says, I can't do this anymore. And Cole's like, what the hell are you talking about? And at that point, I was freaking out. I was like, seriously, I just killed my best friend and a lot of people in this city for you to say, I can't do this anymore, and you give up? Well, what John is actually saying is he is tired of doing this, and he feels like he doesn't want to do it anymore. But he says that he will give his power to Cole, and he can continue where John left off. And that's exactly what happens. The ending is Cole, uh, in comic book style, obviously, Cole is leaving New Marais. He goes across the United States, turning people into conduits who can be turned into conduits and evaporating everybody else who is not a conduit. And he says, he even says in the little epilogue story that he says, I have become what I feared the most. I have become the beast. And that's how it ends. So this is going to be interesting for number three, which there is going to be a number three. It's the infamous assault, you know, really well. Um, no doubt there were always plans for it to possibly be a trilogy, which ended because there are two very yeah. Contrasting this is endings. totally this is totally different from Infamous One. Infamous well, One, yeah. you could have used either ending. Yeah. Infamous Two, these are two totally different endings. I need to know which one's canon. It's going to have to be the good. Then you can't. No, I don't. Does, I, they're going to have to. It doesn't have to be. But that's what they're going to go for. Now, I, I think what's going to happen is that um, there's going to be a new character. That's what I want. I want them to go with the evil one. I want Cole to come to. I don't give a damn. Las Vegas, Nevada, or whatever the hell they're going to call it. He turns a seventeen-year-old kid into a conduit, and he kills this entire family. That kid fucking resents Cole. So I the, see. Infamous Three is all about him trying to kill Cole. It doesn't have to be the evil ending though, because either way, the Beast. Well, I guess not, because if it's a good ending, there is no Beast. The beast there is, is no Beast. Well, Everything I mean, they, good in the world. They could no, they could do it such that the Beast reforms himself. Although that is that would so, be a such stretch. a cop out. Yeah, well, actually, stretch. they can't because of the RFI. There are no more conduits. I guess the good, the evil ending ha- to continue with the evil ending kind of has to be the ending. I want it to be that way. I want infamous to me is the rise and fall of Cole McGrath. That's what I want. I want Cole to become this awesome quote unquote hero, then turn into the villain, and then I want to see him be taken down. Well, it will certainly be an interesting route to go. If they take that route, it certainly would be very interesting. And I they, think that would and, be fantastic. It makes sense, yeah. As you say, it makes more sense because the good ending is 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 ending. I mean, it's it's there's nothing more for him to do essentially, unless they create a new bad guy. Um, whereas the evil ending, yeah. yeah, it would be. You've already got a, a bad guy. Character. You've got the bad guy there, um, which unfortunately is Cole. But yeah, bring in and you know he's turning everyone to conduit, so. You've got the storyline there for another conduit to take his place as a superhero and go against him. Do you Mm. think they'll stick with electricity, or do you think they'll come up with some other kind of power? I think they'd come with another power. I think it'd be great Mm. if they did that. Yeah, it would be interesting. 
In Send fact, me. in fact, here, here, here's my thing. This is my marketing going out all this whole four years of marketing college. Um, <laughs> here's what they could do if they wanted to go that route. Not let it be a hero going against Cole. Let it be four heroes going against Cole. Four-player co-op, Infamous 3, coming Ooh. 2014. Well, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe two-player. Two-player. Hey, whatever. Yeah. I mean, co-op's a big thing, and I think co-op, are you kidding me? Co-op and Infamous? That'd be awesome. You can, like, you know, somebody shoots electricity, and you could, like, all of a sudden just throw, like, I don't know, fucking super force powers in there or something like that, and, like, you could combine powers and shit like that, and it'd be awesome. Yeah, we never know what they're thinking of. They, I mean, the guys over at, um, at Sucker Punch have proven themselves with Infamous 1 and 2 as mm-hmm. coming up with things that are uh, storylines and stuff that are interesting, game mechanics. Although, obviously, some of it's taken from Sly. They've, they've proved themselves that they can do it. The, the powers have been fantastic. They've got the user-generated content in 2, which, although nothing really groundbreaking and, and a lot of people probably don't really explore it that much, the fact that it's in there is great. Maybe they've got some ideas about multi, um, you know co-op and uh, and some interesting story branches to take the third the third game. Well, you know, only time will tell. Obviously, we're going to have to wait a while because I wouldn't imagine it's going to get any. We're not going to hear anything about it until at least next year, next E3, at the earliest. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it being a PS4 launch title. And That'd yes, you're probably looking at PS4. Yeah, at this That's point because 2014. Let's bring we it. Know we know it's getting released. We know it's getting announced next year. Yep. Oh God, yeah. So that would, that well, yeah, that would certainly be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't played the bad ending. Um, as I say, it's something I've got to do. Uh, it does sound a lot more powerful than the good one, um, and powerful. there seems to be a lot more options. I mean, it's sad that that Zeke has died. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's a shame that he won't be in the third one if they do follow that. That, that route, but um, well, yeah, they could right. they could incorporate him in some way. It, it, it does. I mean, from what you're saying, it, it seems that this bad ending is is the best one to follow. Uh, Story wise, it's a more interesting mm-hmm. path. Um, but we'll have to see what they come up with. That's yeah, for sure. I, here's my thing, and I, I mean, I hate to say it, Sucker Punch seems like the kind of guys who like to take the safe route. Well, they're being backed by Sony. You know, Sony fills their coffers. So it depends on what Sony would want. Um, I don't know. Would you Would you incorporate the... If, if you go the bad route, if you go, Cole is now the beast, we're going to introduce a new character with a new set of abilities, do you bring in the good stroke evil karma? Or would you take that out completely and replace it with something else? Because obviously this guy is... is probably going to want to be good because he's fighting evil. Do, do, do you do it that way, or how would you approach it? I mean, and again, on the flip side, how would you follow up the ending for the good um, karma? For I think, I think, I mean, if they, if they wanted to, and if they did it correctly, they could totally end that series at three. If they did it right. Mm-hmm. And if they tied all the loose ends and made it satisfying. Um, I think that if they were to incorporate good and evil choices, there would have to be a ton of plot twists. It could be 
you, like, 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 this is just me saying shit. You know, if I don't know, I'll make up a name. Jeff Taylor. If <laughs> Jeff Taylor and is with his parents and his little sister, he's 18 years old. All of a sudden, oh God, here comes the beast. The beast comes, kills everybody except for him. Now he has a choice: go after Cole and kill him out of revenge, or do something different. Do something like killing Cole could be the bad ending, you know? Doing something like trying to restrain him or trying to change his ways. Or take his powers away. Or take his powers away, Hmm. exactly. Which that could branch off into other things. Take his powers away. Do you just want to get rid of his powers or do you want to put his powers into you and become even stronger? You know, there's a multiple ways that they could do this. And Sucker Punch, if you're listening, I will work for you. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the good ending? How are they if they take the good ending of two as canon, where do you think <laughs> I, I don't know that they can because if they take the good ending of two, it's a cop out. And people will look at it and say, This is eh. The the problem with the good ending of two is that it, it felt very final, except for that last lightning bolt. Yeah, it, it it seemed like a fitting ending to me. You know, he'd gone through all of that, and he made this ultimate sacrifice in order to save humanity. That did seem like something you'd tie a bow on. Yeah, but more importantly, the RFI was supposed to get rid of conduits. Period. Mm. So there are no more superheroes or villains. Unless somebody makes a new race there. Uh, no, it was supposed to like kill anybody with the conduit gene. Mm. Oh, yeah, so in which case, yeah, that would be impossible. Right? I mean, I'm assuming it no, would. Yeah, yeah, I think that was. So you're telling me that when Cole activated the RFI, people who were sick with the plague, who hadn't been touched by the beast, who had the conduit gene in them, died anyway? Yes. Damn. Cole's a mass murderer no matter how you look at it. I, I mean, I think that was my understanding was that. You know, it got rid of conduits, period. But isn't it a case of that conduits don't have, didn't get the virus? No, conduits did, because she oh, was... Yeah, because she was a conduit, wasn't she, the one that... Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe that's the way out. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it just killed active conduits, and therefore healed anybody. Because if the conduit, if the inactive conduits got the virus, and the way that they were healed was turning them into conduits then maybe the RFI only killed active conduits. And therefore, anybody who had the conduit gene but hadn't been activated yet, you know, got cured and was walking around. Once again, plot holes. <laughs> well, to be fair, we're, we're now into speculation about Infamous 3, and we're meant to be here to talk about Infamous 2. Um, I think we've covered a lot of it. Have yeah. any of you two got uh, any final thoughts uh, in regards to Infamous 2 and how it plays? Uh, just it was a huge improvement over Infamous 1. It was uh, a lot of fun to play. I played it back-to-back just like I played Infamous 1, and it was not at all painful to go through the game twice in a row. I can't say that about Infamous 1. It was a little bit of a drag at, at points. I am the complete opposite of Mike. I think that Infamous 2 played fantastically, and it played better than Infamous 1. But as far as... Story goes, I think that it was lacking compared to Infamous 1 due to the fact that nothing fit Cole. 
if he went good, it was like, that's kind of not right. But if he went bad, you'd still say, well, that's kind of not right. While in Infamous 1, you know, you got choices like, well, should I zap a bunch of people and take this food for myself? Or should I just let everybody else take some and we get a little bit of it? Or this guy's going to hang up a bunch of posters of me. Um, I get to choose. Do I want to be loved or do I want to be feared? It, it was more clear cut and it was more, I know what I'm doing. When in Infamous 2, they, 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 want, they didn't want it to be clear cut. But then when you did decide to make the choice, it, it felt like it, it, it felt didn't, out of, it it, didn't it, sit it right either like, way. Yeah, it felt like it was out of his character. But even yeah. if you did the other way, it still would have been, well, that doesn't fit his character either. I felt that they, because obviously they don't want to have to do two sets of cutscenes and various bits and pieces of time restraints and probably disc space as well, even on a Blu-ray. The cutscenes were the same no matter which what, what you did, whether you were good or evil. And because of that, they kind of felt n- not matching either. They, they felt like they were stuck in the middle somewhere. You, you know, you're trying to write and create these cutscenes as if he'd answered either question, you know, he'd answered with the both the same, That's... with either answer if you see what I mean, and, and it fell short I know, I know where you're coming from from that, I did get that feeling that, um, although I felt that the <clears throat> the good and bad choices were slightly better implemented, they still had this issue where it just didn't settle right when you watch cutscenes and the reactions you got from Carl the perfect example was when my roommate was sitting there watching me play. He went good, and I went evil. And the part where Quo touches Cole and freezes him, and he kind of goes off on her. And I was like, okay, that kind of fits right with evil. And I was like, did he do that in your good playthrough? He said, yeah, he did the exact same thing. Mm. And I said, why would he do that? Because he's still Cole. I hey, mean... That, that doesn't... Nah. I, I, can't, I can't buy that. I mean, it, it, it's obviously down to the restraints of the development of the game that they couldn't run two different sets of cutscenes for, you know, for however the... whichever way you went, whichever disposition you decided to, to go with. But that would have been a lot better had they changed his attitude, you know, done that little bit of extra work, changed his attitude on, um, depending on whether you're good or bad. I, th- I totally agree. And maybe that's something we'll see in three, or maybe not. We again, we we don't know where they're going to be going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, of uh, of Infamous Two is, as Drew said, and you know yourself, Michael, it played so much better. It drew me in, not just with the story, but with the side missions. I didn't do hardly any of the first game, as I've mentioned. Um, but with two, I went in there and I did all the side missions, got all the blast shards, um, done all the bomb defusal bits and pieces, saved all the citizens I could and stopped muggings. It, for some reason, because of the way it was put together, it just made doing those such a joy, which I felt in the first game that it just wasn't. And it's a, a marked improvement. They still need to work on the control of Cole and his stickiness because it did become infuriating at some, t- you know, at s- sometimes. <laughs> Um, they do need to work on that slightly, but other than that, it, the game was fantastic. There you go. Yeah. Okay, well, that is our first spoiler cast over. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you do have any um, comments on 
or what we said tonight, you can post them on the podcast page that this will get launched in. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter. Uh, myself, it's uh, John W UK. Michael? Uh, mm, footer. M-M-M-F-U-T-T-E-R. Andrew? DML Fury. Um, we'll be really happy to hear what you think about our first podcast. Give us some feedback. Uh, spoiler podcast. Give us some feedback. And we'll, I'll say we're hoping to do some more. Um, there are games obviously coming out within the next few months that would probably require a spoiler cast. Mm-hmm. So we should hopefully be busy um, come September and October. But uh, once again, uh, from myself, Michael, Andrew, thank you very much for listening. Into the road. Cheers, brother. Half as long. Twice as bright. <laughs>